The Alabama Crops Report Podcast, your trusted information source for Alabama agriculture. Hey, everybody. Welcome in to another episode of the Alabama Crops Report. A couple of entomologists on host duties today, Scott Graham and Caitlin Kessheimer. Caitlin, how's it going? It's good. The sun is shining, the temperatures are dropping, and so all is good in Alabama. Feels like fall out there. It's, it's nice. Yeah, it's been a long, hot summer, so I'm super pumped for this. Yeah, yeah, starting to get some uh, cotton defoliation, corn harvest seems like it's wrapping up or very close to if it hasn't already. Soybeans have started in some some parts of the state, and so it's a it's a fun time for me anyway. Yeah, but now that things are are winding down and we're harvesting, we're also thinking about planting our winter annuals, and one of those is wheat. And to talk about some weed control in winter wheat. We have Dr. David Russell, our Extension Specialist in Weed Science. Welcome back, David. Hey, good to be here. Yeah, so you are a pod veteran. You've joined us before, and you're here to talk about weed management, especially weedy grasses in, in winter wheat and the challenges they can pose. Yeah, well, credit to y'all for putting this out there. It's a good resource to get more information to our growers, and so I figured... It's that time of year. Um, fall is here, my favorite time of the year. And so I figured it's a good time to get some information out. He's been getting bored. You know, these weed scientists, they put out all their stuff and they're done before it even gets hot outside. <laughs> and then us entomologists are out with drop cloths and sweet nets, killing ourselves, and they're just sitting in the office. Sometimes. <laughs> so, David, remind us what areas you cover in the state. So I'm located in North Alabama at the Tennessee Valley Research and Extension Center. Um, my responsibilities in weed management include forages, corn, soybeans, small grains, and also non-crop rights of ways. So I, I cover a pretty wide spectrum there and having statewide responsibilities, we, we put the mileage on the trucks. Yeah, I wouldn't know anything about that. So <laughs> glad to have you in this position. And I feel like Scott and I have talked a lot this summer about the wet weather and what it has meant for, for insects and diseases. But my bug brain did not really think about the effects on weeds and how that affected things that happened this year and also planning ahead for this upcoming growing season. So can you talk about how all the rain we've had this year will factor into current crop patterns, maybe harvest and planting and everything that's going on in the field right now? Well, yeah. I mean, as you as you mentioned, it's been a fairly wet summer. Um, I looked at some numbers here a day or two ago, and I think from April until here recently, 1st of October, we're somewhere uh, like 125 to 130% above normal as far as rainfall across the majority of the state. And so that's um, not only delayed some crops, it's made, first of all, some exceptional yields in corn this year. So that's been good. But as far as cotton, you know, it's delayed a lot of management decisions in that crop. And it's kind of delayed a lot of our soybean acres uh, getting those out. And for those who have wheat or plan on having wheat acres, you know, they've got to get that soybean crop out first. Yeah, this is definitely a, a double-edged sword. I was talking to a grower yesterday and they average 190 to 200 bushels of corn. And this year they were at 235. And so we're going to, I think, 
once we look at all the numbers, some record yields for corn, but it also poses a lot of problems in other crops and as we're planting and planning for weed management. Yeah, and I think for that reason, we're a little bit behind uh, getting wheat planted just statewide. I think normal, it's probably anywhere from 10 to 12% planted right now. Uh, as of this week, I think we're currently sitting at about 7% planted. That's not a huge deal. You know, we're going to catch up. Um, but as far as weeds are concerned, they're not slowing down. You know, we've got a cool front come in last Friday and temperatures are feeling really nice out there. Um, but with that rainfall ahead of that front and now some cooler weathers, these cool season weeds are coming on. Yeah, I would think we've we've really had the opportunity in some of the fields I've seen and stuff. It was just so wet that we probably were late early spraying some weeds, which meant we had more weeds to kill and you got varying levels of resistance. Uh, just like Caitlin said, our bug brains, I would think we might be in a situation where we're, we're kind of starting out with more weeds than, than usual. And I, I may be completely wrong on that, but. No, I, I think you're right. Um, here in the last week uh, from visiting fields here in North Alabama, I've already started to see some of the annual bluegrass and uh, annual ryegrass starting to germinate. In addition to the, the ryegrass and bluegrass you just mentioned, what are some key weed species that producers need to be concerned about specifically when it comes to planting winter wheat this fall? Yeah, so ryegrass, in my opinion, tops the list. And, and just when we're talking about wheat crops um, or even other cereal grains, uh, even including corn or basically any grass crop, Taking grassy weeds out of those grass crop is probably the most difficult part of my job. You know, we've got some options when it comes to broadleaf control in these grass crops, but man, it's, it's tough trying to take grassy weeds out of other grass crops. And so annual ryegrass uh, is one, the poannua, the field bromes, you know, the bromus species, little barley and annual fescues like rat tail fescue, all those they're actually germinating the same time we need to get wheat in the field. So those, the wheat crop and these grassy weeds are really similar in the way they germinate and grow. And so it, it comes down to really timely management techniques to get a hold on them. Sounds like these, these headache weeds are just riding the coattails of the wheat and then benefit from everything we're doing to prep the field and the weather and the rains. Yeah, that's exactly right. As far as broadleafs, we've got things like henbit and chickweed, you know, buttercup emerging right now. And all those, although those really aren't a huge factor as far as reducing wheat yields, I don't think it does compete with crop establishment. So how, how much, you know, I know we're really shifting into reduced and no-till. Would it be a little bit easier to control some of these if we tilled the fields prior to planting wheat? And I'm not much of a wheat guy. People may not even in conventional, they may not be tilling wheat fields before they plant. I don't know. Yeah, there's some of that going on or, or at least some minimum till situations where they use the roto-till to just sort of incorporate that previous crop residue into that top surface layer. That helps some just delay the germination of those weeds that are sitting on the surface. But, but still, I think that we can't, as far as growers, uh, managing wheat acres. I don't think you can overstate the importance of a burn down because things like ryegrass are still going to germinate and you want to get off to a good start as soon as that wheat's in the ground. All right, David, let's talk management strategies. You just mentioned burn down and how effective that can be. 
what else can producers do primarily for these grass weeds that are in wheat that are, you mentioned, are really hard to control? Uh, one note on the burndown situation, you know, we've all heard in the news here recently some supply chain issues, and we're starting to see that with our crop products. And so that also applies to herbicide. You know, I'm hearing that we're seeing some Roundup shortages. And so Roundup or Gramoxone is typically used in a lot of our burndown situations. But if you can't find it, we may just have to rely on Gramoxone. And so the typical use rates are about a quart per acre of that two pound formulation. If you don't have anything else, at least try to uh, utilize that to get off to a clean start. And then once wheat's planted, um, I would say the active peroxisulfone is kind of the backbone of the grass weed control in wheat right now. So that's an active that's found in products like Zidua, Fierce, and Anthem Flex. And so that's, those are typically applied between wheat spiking and the two to four leaf stage. Zidua is straight peroxisulfone. We do have the option with Fierce EZ in Alabama to go out two weeks pre-plant. But that's sometimes a really short window. You know, Fierce EZ could go out, I think, three ounces two weeks prior, but that's limited only to no-till or minimum till fields. And so, Scott, you mentioned the option of tillage. That, that would not be an option here for risk of crop injury. So you've got that option up front before wheat ever goes in the ground. But once wheat emerges, I think you're pretty much set with either Zidua or Anthem Flex. Both of those have done really well for us trying to catch that, uh, those grass weeds when they're really small or before they even germinate. So it sounds like some recommendations Scott and I were making this past summer for fall armyworm. You know, we have our, our standard recommendations, but it may come down to what can growers get their hands on in a time where we do have excessive weed from the weed growth from the rain and then also supply chain issues that we've seen over the past 18, 20 months or so. Yeah, that's exactly right. And, you know, th there's another product, too. If, if that window is missed with either of those products, uh, either before or right after wheat is planted, uh, Axial Bold has been a really good product for us uh, in the past couple of years through research plots. Uh, that's just a mix of panoxidin and phenoxyprop, a group one chemistry there. doesn't have any broadleaf weed control, but it does specifically target those grass weeds like annual ryegrass and some of the annual bluegrasses. And so... Um, I think you could put that out up until the early boot stage for wheat. So there's a larger window of opportunity there with that product. What happens if for whatever reason, we're not able to, you know, control these weeds in a timely manner. I imagine the later we get, the harder it is. And you kind of hit on that a little bit, but we've seen a lot of yield hit and things like that, or is it issues with harvest contamination? If some things get seed heads or. Well, we're going to have some weedy fields. <laughs> the, the tough thing there, especially going back to the grassy weeds, because of the growth stature and the biology, physiology of a lot, a lot of our grassy weeds in a wheat crop, they're so similar. So when you get a mature wheat crop, you get the wheat heading out at the height where we need to harvest. Well, the ryegrass and even the brome seed heads are, are, are also going to be there in that same height, too. So you mentioned harvest seed contamination. Uh, it's once you get to that point that late in the season, it's almost impossible to get that out of a wheat crop. And so you're going to have some issues the following year. In fact, uh, I saw a lot of fields here in North Alabama 
uh, early this spring where there was some ryegrasses and, and bromes uh, missed in fields in the fall of uh, 2020. And so that got harvested, likely some contamination issues there. And so I expect to see some volunteer stands of, the, of these uh, grass weeds in those same areas. I do know this much about weeds is that another reason we want to control them is they can act as a harborage or alternative host for insect pests and diseases in many cases. And so it's just more places for these, these pathogens, these pests to hide out and then move into the crop when the timing is right or wrong in many cases. That's it. That's it. And I think it delays crop maturity too. And, and yes, I do think if the populations are bad enough, you can see some yield hits. Well, Caitlin, this wasn't necessarily on the docket for today, but since you mentioned insects and stuff, you got any thoughts about at least fall season management of wheat for insects? Put me in the hot seat. Yeah, absolutely. I think the the insect of the year may have, we thought it was going to be cicadas, but it ended up being armyworms. And thinking about armyworms as we're planting these winter annuals is going to be really important. We've also, we've had a lot of questions about deer plots and, and wildlife food plots and things. And if it was maybe a couple of weeks ago, I'd be a little bit more concerned, but over the last week or so, we've seen a huge drop in armyworm numbers around the state. That's not to say that they're not around, um, but with this, these cooling temperatures, shorter days, they're definitely less and less. And so I would recommend if you plant wheat, get out there and scout it, um, don't just spray proactively, but make sure you're looking for the armyworms because they can do some harm, um, extensive damage when the, the crops are really young. And the other pest that we should be thinking about is aphids. This time of year, we can get bird cherry oat aphids in wheat, and we know that they have the potential to vector barley dwarf virus. And so over the next couple months, um, check your wheat for aphids. Um, they'll transition into English grain aphids in the springtime. And if we get too late in the season, the virus may already be in the field. And so that's something you want to think about as soon as the wheat goes in the ground all the way through January or February and make sure you're staying on top of any potential aphid infestations that can then lead to yield loss because of barley old dwarf. And my understanding is that it's really more of the fall infestation that results in that transmission of of BYD, right? So yeah, absolutely. We can we can pick it up from English grain aphids flying in the spring, but where you're going to see that yield loss is when the wheat gets infected in the fall time. And in some cases, I mean, it's called barley yellow dwarf, right? You get stunted plants. Some don't even head out in the springtime, and so you know this fall period is really where you want to be looking for aphids, and so. We can't tell by looking at them if they carry the virus, but they're really easy to control um, with a simple low rate of pyrethroid. We can get rid of those, rid of those aphids. So yeah, thanks for, thanks for pointing that out. And as we wrap up here, cause I want to go play outside, David, what final parting words of wisdom do you want to leave us and our listeners with today? Well, first of all, it sounds like fall is the perfect time to get your insects controlled and your weeds controlled. Be early, be proactive. And, you know, as I mentioned, the grassy weeds are typically our biggest issue in a wheat crop. And I, I hate to keep harping on these two, annual ryegrass and some of our brome species, but it really is uh, some of our bigger issues in a wheat crop. And 
and look, if you stay proactive and um, stay on top of this uh, weed management for a couple of years, weed like annual ryegrass really doesn't have that good of soil seed viability. So I'd say two consecutive years or more of proactive management for annual ryegrass, uh, I think you'd pretty well have it under control because that seed just doesn't remain viable that long in a soil seed bank. So uh, again, stay proactive, continue to scout your fields and um, should be in pretty good shape. All right, David Russell, Reoccurring Guest, we appreciate you coming on today. And as always, we appreciate our listeners out there that are uh, tuning in each week. And if we can ever be of any help, please don't hesitate to reach out and let us know. The Alabama Crops Report podcast is a production of the Alabama Cooperative Extension System and is sponsored by Alabama Ag Credit.